Coming up on Philosophy Talk, St. Augustine of Hippo. I dreamed I saw St. Augustine Alive as you are me To sing once is to pray twice. Nothing conquers except truth, and the victory of truth is love. Give what thou dost command, and command what thou wilt. To many, total abstinence is easier than perfect moderation. Excess is the enemy of God. Love is the sinner and hate the sin. Our hearts are restless till they repose in thee. Grant me chastity and continence, but not just yet. What does that mean? Our guest is James O'Donnell from Georgetown University. Author of Augustine, Sinner and Saint. The Philosophy of St. Augustine. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, St. Augustine, one of the most important theologians and philosopher, philosophers in Western history, we'll start by looking at the relationship between Augustine's life and his philosophy. Then we'll dig into one of the major issues St. Augustine worried about, namely free will, good and evil. And finally, we'll talk about his thoughts on war and terrorism. Some basic facts. Augustine was born in 354 AD in the waning years of the Roman Empire. When Rome was sacked by the Visigoths in the year 410, many Romans fled to Augustine's native North Africa for safety. He died in 430 AD at the hand of a later wave of invaders. And Augustine's discussion of the sack of Rome and his ideas about just war are curiously relevant to modern issues of war and terrorism. Ken, given your Notre Dame education, I, I suspect you dip into Augustine's Confessions or the City of God every night before dropping off to sleep. How about sharing with the rest of us some reasons why we should be interested in an African-Roman philosopher who died a millennium and a half ago and thought that sex was sinful? John, I'm afraid you slightly overestimate my love for reading the great works of uh, Christian philosophers. But Augustine is important for a variety of reasons. He's the first author to write a personal autobiography. His Confessions is a really, really great book. He tells how he began as a Manichaean, became a Christian, struggled with the thought of abandoning his love of the good life as a professor in Milan with a mistress and a beloved child to become a celibate Christian back in North Africa. And at least the first nine chapters before he delves into stuff about time and all this make for really good reading, like a really fine novel. Okay, okay. Confessions is good stuff. But I've got a copy of The City of God. It's a thousand pages long. It does not read like a good novel. Well, you got me there. In that, With that one, you have to skip around a bit. I mean, there, but there's one part that I think even you would like to read. That's the part where... Uh, Augustine worries about what sex would have been like in the Garden of Eden before Adam's sin and God's punishment. I mean, because Augustine thought that as a result of original sin, certain bodily urges and certain parts of our body, certain crucial parts of our body, were no longer within our control. And, but, and he wondered, and he was intrigued about what sex would have been like when the, everything was fully within our control before original, before original sin. 
Well, Ken, that does sound very titillating. Yeah, but you know, it really does show something important about uh, Augustine that's more important than mere titillation. He was a really great philosopher. He had a quality of mind that I know you would value. He got seized by philosophical problems, and he found them everywhere because he really wanted to think things through and get to the bottom of things. He's the one who said, I know what time is when I'm not thinking about it, but as soon as I do, it's a complete mystery. Okay, he can be fun to read. He's a good philosopher. But still, aren't his ideas just a tad dated? Do we really care about the worldview of a celibate 5th century bishop? Well, if you care about history at all, you should care. I mean, I know we'd have to rank Jesus as the most important person in the history of Christianity. But surely Gustin ranks second, or at the very least third, after St. Paul. Well, I know his views about sex and women had a big uh, big effect, mostly unfortunate. What else is important? Well, he formulated the standard Christian doctrines of free will, the problem of evil, the relation of God and time, the Trinity. He merged Greek and biblical thought into a coherent system. I guess when I learned my catechism, I was learning a lot of stuff pretty much straight from Augustine. You betcha. And finally, he was the first great African philosopher in the Western tradition. Well, no wonder you're such a fan. You philosophers of African ancestry stick together. Was Augustine black? Well, he was a Berber, and I think we'd call him a person of color today. Okay, you've convinced me. St. Augustine is an interesting and influential figure even for a guy born in the 4th century. But would his ideas have differed if he'd grown up in today's world? Our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, tried to answer that question. She files this report. As a teenager, Augustine was sexually frustrated. He writes in his confessions he was boiling over in his fornications. Out of the muddy concupiscence of the flesh and the bubblings of youth, mists fumed up which beclouded and overcast my heart that I could not discern the clear brightness of love from the fog of lustfulness. Both did confusedly boil in me and hurried my unstayed youth over the precipice of unholy desires and sunk me in a gulf of flagitiousness. In other words, he was, like many young men, very interested in sex. And this, he felt, was evil. So what if a troubled young Augustine could have received the expert advice of sexologist Isadora Allman, author of the long-running weekly column, Ask Isadora? Yes, it is a natural force in all human beings, not any more to be conquered than our desire to sleep or desire to eat. Augustine may have recognized that lust is a basic part of who we are, but he felt it was a bad part. Allman disagrees. I will say our nature is, period, as opposed to our nature is bad, good. It simply is. And how you want to deal with the fact of your nature is your choice as a functioning adult. And it is my job as a psychotherapist to help you deal with your nature. Augustine didn't have the opportunity to see a psychotherapist. He decided he wasn't the best person to deal with his nature. God was. And thou sentest thine hand from above and drewest my soul out of that profound darkness. Augustine went on to become a big promoter of the idea that by accepting God, you can overcome the bad parts of being human. Why then be perverted and follow thy flesh? Be it converted and follow thee. That notion doesn't sit well with Allman. The point of, of psychotherapy is self-acceptance. To take the essential nature and say part of it is bad, essentially, seems very wrong to me. It's wrong because it sets one at war with oneself. 
And society already does that for us. Society already gives us norms, uh, commercial norms, that are unattainable by 99% of people. To be told that part of our essential nature is to conquer the other part, boy, that really is setting up an impossible dichotomy and guaranteed way of misery for the rest of one's life. Allman says in her practice, she sees examples of that kind of misery all too often. I remember early on in my career, uh, I saw uh, a young man, midlife, probably late 30s, who was the son of um, uh, fundamentalist Christians. And the guy was really tormented. And what he really wanted to do was cross-dress. I mean, that's really what he had been, the demon that he had been struggling with. Now, you know, that's such a harmless thing. He wanted in the privacy of his bedroom to put on garments that our society says is for one sex and not the other. He didn't want to, you know, molest little children. He simply wanted to play dress up. And when I put it to him in those terms, that it needn't affect anybody else at all, except him and his own private pleasure, the guy youthened in front of my face. I mean, he dropped 30 years worth of misery in order to, to recast the concept of what he was looking at as, as a diversion as opposed to a, a sin. Augustine, on the other hand, found God and became celibate. If he had consulted a sexologist, though, the history of Christianity might have turned out very differently. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.